Just look at this studio filled with fabulous prizes. Ooh. All waiting to be won on Score North's... Pick your prize! Behind door number one is a $10,000 gift card to Chanhassen Dinner Theaters for shows, concerts, food, and beverage. Ooh. Door number two has $10,000 in home improvements for your kitchen, bathroom, windows, and more from Minnesota Rusco and Companies. Ah. And behind door number three, LASIK eye procedure from Dr. Lovanoff at Ovo LASIK and Lens. And a fantastic vacation. No surprise zoinks. What you want, you pick. 14 prizes in all, each valued at $10,000. Sign up for Score North's Pick Your Prize. You can register daily through the Score North app or go to scorenorth.com keyword prize. Sweepstakes begins March 18th. Special thanks to our prize partners. Guys of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. All right, welcome to a Friday episode of Mackie and Judd here. We'll get to, uh, we'll, so Judd's going to sit the first few minutes of this show out because, quite frankly, his level of WWE expertise doesn't rise to the occasion here. And so Declan and I are going to welcome. Natalia, WWE superstar. You can find, by the way, WWE SmackDown returning in front of live fans. July 30th at Target Center in Minneapolis. Tickets on sale Friday, today. So if you're listening to this, tickets are on sale right now. Go get your butt some uh, WWE SmackDown tickets. And uh, we'll celebrate fans coming back to uh, to arenas as we welcome two-time WWE Women's Champion. Currently one half of the WWE Tag Team Women's Champions and member of the legendary Hart family, Natalia, and you're rocking the gold here for our YouTube viewers. I am. Viewers. Thank great. you so much for that great introduction. <laughs> I was like, wow, I feel I feel honored. Thank so you. accomplished, yes. I was going to say, I think where my wife and I probably watch you even more over the years is Total Divas. So, um, yes, I'm yeah. very multi talented. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna we're, so we're gonna we're gonna hit you with seven hard hitting questions here. And uh, elaborate as much or as little. We're probably going to have follow-ups, but are you ready for this? Are you ready to go through the ringer here on Mackie and Judd? Yes, I'm, I'm ready to take my best shot. <laughs> All right. Dex, actually, Dex, let's fire up some appropriate uh, NFL films music here okay. to really really set the, the scene and the mood. And then we'll get, to, uh, we'll get to Judd and Under Siege for an action movie rewind later on in the show here. But All right, question number one. Declan and I uh, did a series last summer. We, we just did deep dive reviews into the first 22 WrestleManias. What is your first ever WrestleMania love? Which WrestleMania did you fall in love with first as a kid when you first Ooh. became conscious of, of, at the time, WWF? Got that. That's easy. Um, WrestleMania 10, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. And, of course, you know I'm biased because those are my uncles, but that match that match really made me fall in love with wrestling. And it was such a simple story to, fall, to follow, even though I was – it was such a simple story to follow, even though I was very young. It was, you know, a story about family, brother versus brother, and um, both of them trying to be the best. Um, but that match was, I always say, if you're a student of the game, you know that match like the back of your hand. Yeah. And, and I mean, and it was a weird transitionary time in that it was, it was before the Attitude Era. And, and the roster at the time, whether it was due to injuries or just lack of, like, top, top stars, it was a little bit of a thin card, and so Brett had to wrestle twice. Like you had, 
the, the night that he put on in particular to wrestle twice and to have those two matches, one against Owen and then another one against Yokozuna, if I remember correctly, right? Right, in the main like, event, yeah. polar opposite styles. <laughs> Um, WrestleMania 10, by the way, low key, one of the best WrestleManias of all time. In my I opinion. know, and, it, and it's so cool because it was at Madison Square Garden, so which is one of my favorite places in the world to wrestle, as you know, just because of the history and everything. But um, it's it's really a testament to Brett as a performer and, and the fact that he was so diverse that he could really you know compete against anyone. Um, and you guys have to check out. This is a shameless plug, but it's worth it. You have to check out Brett's documentary on A and E this Sunday. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm really excited about that. I got a little sneak peek of it and um, a little teaser of a couple of clips, and it's it's really powerful. It's very uh, it'll make you emotional watching it, but it's very inspiring. Awesome. Those A and E docs have been, yeah, been awesome super. so far. Yeah, you've I've definitely learned a lot more about each superstar watching them, um, and I've almost become like I've I've realized like I said this to my husband the other day. I'm like I'm actually like a really really big wrestling fan. <laughs> like I've got a, like that fan in me at heart, like where I'm kind of like. Oh my god! I didn't realize that about Macho Man, or I like I'm, I find myself yeah. like turn, mega fan mode, super fan mode. <laughs> love it. So, let me tell you, me tell that, you Steamboat. I think yeah. that we all kind of have that in us a little bit. So I love it. All right, Ricky, 150 moves. Let's script it all out. Yeah, come on. Now. All right, Declan. <laughs> question number two. Mackie does love himself some uh, some Macho Man. Uh, <laughs> Natalia, you're you're one of the longest tenured WWE superstars for for a long time now. You've had the Divas Championship. You've had the Women's Championship. You're now the half of the of the Tag Team Championship. When you look at like this, the last 15 years of WWE and now transitioning from the women's revolution, which in, in my opinion is now just like the backbone of the business. It's the best thing it's got going for it. Um, how rewarding and how cool is it to see that WWE has made this amazing transition into the women's revolution and it just, it's just taken things over? It's been awesome. And I'm glad you brought that up because I, it's something I never get sick of talking about. Um, just even since I've been in WWE over the last decade, we've seen so much growth and we've seen so much change and the women have gone from, you know, not having very long matches and not having that spotlight that we do now to this is the second year that women have main evented WrestleMania. And, um, and it's just so cool to see the the women thriving and, and shining. And we have so many incredible women from every walk of life. Um, and every shape and size and ethnicity. And it's just like really, really awesome to see the women shining. And we've done things that we never thought would be possible. Like, you know, not only main eventing WrestleMania, but also competing in Saudi Arabia, which I was grateful and blessed enough to be a part of. Um, but, but yeah, we're, the women are really taking over and taking the, taking the WWE by storm. And it's, it's, I'm so grateful that I can be a part of it. And I'm, I'm so happy um, to, to be the new women's tag team champion. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and I think, I guess my my follow-up off that question, too, is if your career, let's say you were born 10 years earlier, and your career would have coincided with the way that women's wrestling was treated in the 90s, where it's shorter matches and it was just more about being provocative, right? It would how would how would that have sat with you? Would you have adapted to it, or would it have, would it have been a non-starter for you? I think, I mean, that's a great question. I think, for me... You know, I think I knowing. Thank, thank you, by the way. I just took the lead in the good question standings for the season <laughs> on Mackie and Judd. There, thanks, Natalia. No, I. But I think, like you know, we always try to adapt. I think that's kind of what WWE has taught me the most is about. It's not about survival of the fittest. It's who can adapt um, to all the changes in front of them. Um, we saw that, especially with this pandemic over the last year. Um, I think I would have found a way to adapt, but also still have been myself. 
Um, and you saw that with Chris Stratus and with Lita and with, with Victoria and Molly Holly and Jazz. And there were a lot of really incredible women performers, but, you know, they didn't get as much time as, as we do now. They didn't get, as, you know, maybe as much focus or spotlight. But, you know, there were women that really did find a way to stand out. And, um, you know, we celebrate them today, like Trish Stratus, who I'm still trying to get my match with. <laughs> <laughs> By the way. If you're looking to stand out with your golf game, let's talk about PXG for a quick second. PXG, Minneapolis, and Southdale Center. They've got their brand new Gen 4 clubs out, so uh, it's like 90 degrees in the Twin Cities right now. It's, it's perfect sweltering golfing weather. So drivers, fairways, hybrids, irons, these are PXG's flagship clubs. Hands down, the best performing clubs you're going to find. So if you're looking to step up your golf game, or uh, are you looking to maybe just look better on the golf course because you're not good at it like Declan and I? You can find some swag there, too. PXG Minneapolis and Southdale Center. Find out more at pxg.com slash Minneapolis. All right, hard-hitting question number three here for WWE superstar Natalia. This is going to be a tough one for you um, because there's so many options. If you had a Mount Rushmore, so four, four you know, former or current superstars on the side of a mountain for whatever reason, who are your four Mount Rushmore promo cutters in your life watching wrestling? The four Ooh. people that you could just listen to for just read the phone book in a ring in front of a live audience. Gosh, that's it. So four. That's a great question. Um, ooh, I would definitely say Edge. Edge um, is one of them. Yeah. I think Edge is an incredible promo, especially during the pandemic when we had like such a hyper focus on us. I really noticed that he was like, he's an incredible He's an incredible speaker. Um, I would say Edge. Um, I would say somebody that I'm always like in awe of as far as like women doing promos is Stephanie McMahon. She yes. makes it look seamless. Whether and evil. She's playing- it's she's she's her character is so evil. <laughs> but that's like that's yeah. it's the right kind of heat, so to speak. Yeah. But like she also can play she can play both. She she yeah. can do she can be good and she and she can be bad. I think all women like to be we like to teeter on that like bad girl side because it allows us to release that inner brat. Um, but Stephanie's promos are like she oh, and they're always very long, and I'm always impressed that she can carry them um, for so long. I think Stephanie um, Edge. I always loved Brett's promos, and I know I'm biased because I'm related to the Hitman. But Brett's promos were very genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about when the Heart Foundation, um, you know, they were doing that storyline where Brett was like, you know bashing america but loving canada <laughs> and i thought that was so unique because yeah. he never really turned heel so to speak but he but he like was able to work work both like work the territories of both country mm-hmm. both countries but i think brett was brett had a very unique promo in that he was ahead of his time as far as being real being realistic and bringing that realism to the table that like you know he just was he was just always very reality based um my last one i mean I know, I know it's one that everyone always says, but Paul Heyman. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. This is Paul a great is like, you know, he's just a wordsmith. And uh, whenever I have questions at work or I need promo advice, I always go to Paul Heyman because he, he knows how to take something and make it impactful. And he knows nice. how to like, he'll, he'll simplify it or he'll switch things around or he, he's just really brilliant. I love working with him and collaborating with him on promos. So those are my four. <laughs> I love I, I I can't remember like watching Paul Heyman cut promos for twenty five years or whatever, even going back to Paulie dangerously. I don't remember him ever stumbling or tripping or like, you know, you're you you're doing hours of content on a microphone over your career. It's like, does he ever trip or mess up? He's or... so he's seamless. Yeah. Seamless. Yeah. 
All right, Declan, next question. Uh, Daya, who is the person who is least like their wrestling persona in real life? So if, if you're out to dinner with someone, who is that one person who just, like, flips a switch, it's on when they're in the ring, and when, when they're cutting a promo, then maybe when they leave the arena, who is the person who is least like their wrestling persona in real life to you? Bailey. Definitely Bailey. She's She plays the role of a bad girl on TV, but, like... In real life, she's just, I probably shouldn't even say this because I don't want to ruin her character for everyone, but she's one of the nicest, most like loving, giving, sweetest girls you'll ever meet. She's, she just really is like an incredible human. So, but on TV, on SmackDown, on Friday nights, (laughs) um, she's, she's, she's a bad girl, but she's, she's incredible. She's an incredible person. I love her. She's, she's a good girl at heart. I love Declan's the yeah. opposite. Declan's yeah, just a right. bad boy off just the all, microphone. All the no, I, I'd like to yeah. say I'm the role model of the show. I was about to say, I think I feel like I'm the role model. Of the, I was the hugger. You're the now, hugger. Now You're I'm, the... And now I'm the role model. So, yeah, no, I, I love I've loved watching her evolution, too. It's been crazy watching her go from this great bubbly hugger personality to now being the role model in the heel. I think she's done an amazing job. Me, too. Me, too. Oh. All right. Hard hitting question. Number five here. We're into our final three. So the Internet says that you quote briefly worked as a salesperson for Kirby vacuum when you were 18 years old. What was your biggest success as a salesperson at Kirby vacuum, Natalia? Oh my gosh. I worked, I sold vacuums for a few weeks um, (laughs) with Kirby and I don't even know what got into me doing that job because nobody would buy a damn vacuum from me. And I don't, I mean, I would give demos on how to clean houses. Um, <laughs> Were you going like, was this like a door to door? You're just knocking on doors yeah. to buy this vacuum or was it in Pretty store? Much. I don't even know how I got talked into doing it. It was like a mutual friend of mine that like, was like, you know what, this is, he, he did great with it. Um, but it was sort of, yeah, door to door, like sales. And you basically had to give an in-home demo. So you had to clean their house. So people loved it when I would knock on their door and say, Hey, let me clean your house and show you how this vacuum works. Um, it lasted, let me, let me clarify. The job lasted for all of two weeks. I was 18. I, I, I was so frustrated doing that job because the vacuum was kind of expensive. It was over $2,000 back then. And, um, Jeez. it was a very expensive, like high end vacuum and an incredible vacuum. But the only person that bought a vacuum off of me was my grandfather, <laughs> Stu Hart. And he bought the vacuum off me because he felt sorry for me. So I, I just realized, you know what, Natty? Stick to wrestling. Don't worry about <laughs> vacuums. <laughs> don't worry about cleaning people's homes. But it was one of those jobs that I'm like, I don't want to say it was a job from hell, but I'm so glad that I'm doing headlocks and drop kicks. <laughs> I love, love that. It. All right, question six. Uh, Natalia, Tyson Kidd, your husband, I know he suffered He suffered a career-ending injury in 2017, right? It was, was that around the timeline he suffered uh, a career? 2015. 2015. Yeah, 2015. Okay, and I know he works behind the scenes as a producer now, right, for you guys. And let's say, though, he didn't suffer that injury. Who would be your dream mixed tag team match? If you, if you, if you could get back in the ring, you two in the same ring, who would be your dream mixed tag team match right now? Ooh, you know what would be so cool is if it was me and TJ Tyson versus Cesaro and Sasha Banks. Ooh. That would be yes. so much fun. I think that like, what a dream matchup. That would be incredible. Is it true that Cesaro saved one of the moves that he used at WrestleMania this year? He saved, sat on that for like 10 years, basically to use yeah. it at WrestleMania. Yeah. Cesaro's got so many, like, I mean, he's just truly incredible. He's so innovative. Um, I mean, it's so, I'm so happy that we both get to be on SmackDown together because 
it's cool to pick his brain about wrestling and just his passion. And he's very inspired by the whole industry, but yeah, he has so many moves in his back pocket, um, which is very cool. And I, and I always love it when he does the sharpshooter because it really pays homage to TJ and myself and Brett and our family. And it's just always a nice reminder of the connection and special friendship that we have. Yeah. It's a great, it's a classic, classic submission. All right. And you've made it to question number seven here, seven hard hitting questions. And we're going to give you the floor here. The last question is, with SmackDown coming up, Target Center, tickets on sale. Uh, if you're listening to this early Friday morning, today, 10 o'clock, July 30th, who do you want to call out? Anyone in the WWE right now, who do you want to call out? That's question number seven. The floor is yours. Anybody to call out in the WWE, if I could call out one person, it would definitely be Sasha Banks. Um, coming fresh off of main eventing WrestleMania, she's somebody that... I really would love to have a rivalry with. I would love to would love to make her tap out to my sharpshooter. And she's she's somebody that I also have in all seriousness, I also have so much respect for. Um she's I think she's one of the greatest, if not the greatest, um, female superstar in female superstar slash wrestler in the world. Um and she's definitely like somebody that I'm inspired by as far as her in ring work. I think she's she's really awesome. But she's not as good as me. That's why I'm that's why I'm a champ. Yeah, you gotta so. <laughs> hold that hold that gold high. But hold that gold high. She's amazing. She's amazing. I would love to have a I would love to do more work with her. I would love to wrestle with her. Right. Well, thanks for coming out. Thanks for showing the gold to our YouTube audience here on Score North. And uh, we're looking forward to having you in the Twin Cities. It's got to be—it's got to be so weird in some ways too. WrestleMania to have just have to see fans around instead of being on the weird sort of—it was an amazing setup, uh, the Thunderdome. But it, it's, it's got to be a much different feeling. When I mean, we be made it work. People. We mm-hmm. definitely, def- you know, we made it work, and we do that in WWE, and that's kind of the the motto, the 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 message that we send to everyone around the world. We were leading the charge in the fact that like we were one of the first sports companies in the world to basically say whatever it takes we're not going to stop we're going to give people uh, a release give them a break give them something to look forward to when the world is go- you know you turn on the news and everything is very intense and very heavy and sometimes it's just nice to have a have an escape and wwe has offered that since the very beginning yeah. and so while we made it work with a you know with a virtual audience, it's going to be so nice to get back in front of a live audience to feel the energy of the crowd and to, you know, just to be able to engage with our audience. And it's, there's just nothing like it. And so that, that is what I'm the most excited about. I can't wait for that. Well, it's been super fun having you on and listen, next time, next time WWE comes to town, we'd love to get you on again and uh, put you through seven more hard hitting questions here. on Mackie and Judd WWE superstar. And I would even say legend and maybe future hall of famer, Natalia, oh, thanks thank for coming. You. I, I need to pay you off on the side for all these nice compliments. So, thank you awesome, so much. Man. All right, Natalia, thanks. Talk soon and uh, have fun this summer, right? Thank you so much. Bye, right. guys. Mackie and Judd will uh, take a quick pause and we'll, uh, we'll review one of the great early 90s action movies, Under Siege, next. The Meadows at Mystic Lake has modified its golf policies to follow the COVID-19 public health recommendations and welcomes you to play this award-winning public golf course. It offers a unique, challenging, and scenic golf experience. The Meadows at Mystic Lake is a full-service golfing destination, enhanced by nearby food and entertainment, including the Meadows Bar and Grill and Mystic Lake Casino Hotel. It's never too early to book a tee time or shop the pro shop. Stop in or visit GolfTheMeadows.com. That's GolfTheMeadows.com. Owned and operated by Shakopee Midwakanton Sioux Community. I want you to listen to me very carefully. The SEAL Team 5 is en route. You understand that? Yes, sir! 
Nimitz Air Group is our backup. You understand that? Yes, sir. Now, since your ass is on the line, sailor, I authorize you right now to do whatever you can to aid in the arrival of the SEAL team. Because if I goddamn can't control you, I might as well support you. Correct? That's affirmative, sir. You, uh, you have some good luck there, sailor. I'm out. They got a lot of trouble on that ship. Welcome to the party, pal! Action Movie Reviews with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! Yippee-ki-yay, mother... Ryback's file wasn't in personnel. It was in the captain's private cabinet. Ryback is an ex-seal. God damn cooks a seal. Shut up and listen. Expert in martial arts. Explosives, weapons, and tactics. Silver Star, Navy Cross. Purple Heart with Cluster. And security clearance revoked after Panama. That means he couldn't hold any rating except that of a yeoman or a cook. So who are you? Are you, you, like, some special forces guy or something? I'm just a cook. A cook? Just a lowly, lowly cook. Oh, my God, we're going to die. <laughs> oh, my Glorious. goodness. Welcome in to Action Movie Rewind. Every Friday here, we do deep dives, way too deep dives into some of the most prominent action movies in American cinematic history. We've got over 50 of these under our belt. You can just go back and find them every Friday episode of Maggie and Judd's movie review franchise, which also includes some dives into sports movies, rom-coms. And uh, I think we have Judd's favorite action movie actor is Steven Seagal. And we may have, and we'll determine this at the end, we may have reached the pinnacle here of Steven Seagal's box office career (laughs) and uh, thespian career. (laughs) Under Siege, 1992. Are you ready for this, Judd? <laughs> are you kidding me? Are you I am so ready? ready for this. I, I want this. Just a quote. So uh, Under Siege is brought to us today by our friends at Dennis Kirk. All right? If you are looking to ride off away from danger, or if you're just looking to ride because it's nice out Seagal, definite Dennis Kirk guy, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That dude will hop on a, on a bike. He'd be on a bike in a second. Don't know if he rides a Harley, Indian, Metro Cruiser, sport bike, whatever he needs. Huh? He can find it at DennisKirk.com. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets. If he needs some more, I don't know, just some more biker gear, Steven Seagal can find it at DennisKirk.com. If he orders by 8 p.m., they'll ship the same day, and shipping is free for orders over $89. When the open road calls, head to DennisKirk.com. They ship today. All right, 1993, 1992, under siege. Here's the summary. A heroic loner takes on a group of nuclear terrorists in this seagoing tale. Posing as a rock band, the terrorists, think about that for a second. Yeah. Posing as a rock band. I'll get to it. We'll get to it. The terrorists get themselves (laughs) hired for a party aboard the USS Missouri, a battleship en route to Pearl Harbor for decommissioning. They plan to steal the ship's nuclear arsenal, but haven't reckoned uh, on the intervention of the ship's chef, a decorated former Navy SEAL, Steven Seagal. <laughs> 79% on Rotten Tomatoes, and the Rotten Tomatoes critics' consensus says, a well-directed action thriller that makes the most of its confining setting. Under Siege marks a high point for early 90s action, and it stars spotty filmography, meaning Steven Seagal's spotty filmography. 
Throw that out the window for this movie. Thirty-five million they? dollar budget. Thirty-five million dollar budget turned into a hundred fifty-seven million dollars at the box office. Steven Seagal, Tommy Lee Jones, Gary Busey, <laughs> and some other people that you've recognized from movies in the nineties. We'll start with Judd. What was your key takeaway from Under Siege? So I, as I watched this film, I realized I had I had seen small parts, bits and pieces. But unlike most of my Seagal catalog, I had never seen this entire film. Likewise, I've never seen this movie. So here's my takeaway. Ordinarily, I love Seagal because he's so bad. Like what makes him special is he's so bad he can't act. I mean, come here a second. But he's gonna whisper. But he's good. Yeah, fashion. You're going. You're going to hell along with your brother. So anyway, ordinarily I love Seagal because it's so bad. This was actually good. This film was not bad. I mean, come on, Tommy Lee Jones, (laughs) first class. (laughs) Gary Busey. Nobody is a better psycho in life or in film than Busey. This film was chock full of people who were bad guys who could act. Seagal, meanwhile, was relegated to the starring role, but without too much dialogue. So it actually worked because ordinarily, like, it's all Seagal. You know, he drives around hunting people down and it's nothing and it's hilarious. But of course, it's terrible. But I love that. This film was absolutely good. I'm sorry. But for an action film, it was actually good. And and somebody finally got and this might have been the last one because he was such a pain in the ass to work with that somebody got Seagal right and they like wrote an okay role. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I enjoyed the kills. I enjoyed the bad guys. Um, There was plenty of things that were non plausible. I get that. But for a Seagal film, (laughs) this this one, this one worked for me. As a real film, not just a complete spoof. It was sort of a spoof, wow. but not a complete spoof. I mean, Hard to Kill, which I love, is an absolute Seagal tour de force, right? But it's all yeah. Seagal. But it's just yeah. all. And it's so preposterous and silly. I actually enjoyed this one. Yeah, there's a there's more of a plot. There's other stars. I feel like sometimes he doesn't play well with other stars in movies. There's also a production note we'll get to later where... He had a major issue with one of the major storylines in this movie. I, I read that this they one. had to sort of they had to sort Hilarious. of talk him off of a ledge. Hilarious. Um, my main takeaway from this movie is that it is Die Hard on a boat. Yeah, sure. There yeah, were like Di- Die Hard launched a string of like I like it. Die Hard on a plane. <laughs> Die Hard. You know, there's a bunch of different Die Hard type premises. You've got terrorists that sort of surprisingly overtake a structure of some kind, whether mm-hmm. it's a building or, in this case, a boat. And then there's the rogue hero that uh, has some sort of, like, what he's doing to start the movie has nothing to do with his skill set, but he's forced to take his skill set and save the day against a group of terrorists. And uh, that's that's what this was to me. This was Die Hard on a boat. You had evil conniving villain guy or guys with their posse of dangerous armed men. And it's up to one singular hero in touch with authorities outside of the structure to save the day. And that's what he did. Die hard on a boat is what we just watched in under siege. I like it. Dex. This is one of the most least believable things I have ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) You're telling me that a band a band. Now, some of them former and disgruntled military people, but a, a six-person band 
takes over one of the most decorated U.S. naval ships in history. In well, history. They had a, but they had, in, they had a few help. rogue. Sure. Yeah, they had inside like, help. The beauty help is huge. They're performing yeah. a concert. There's, what, five people in the band, and there's hundreds, right? Hundreds of sailors in this in this, I thought this ballroom. Too. This, this is, yeah. I thought that I, I, but the I thought it was the copter had a way, bunch was, of guys it was, it on was, it. It was way too easy. I felt like there sh- it should have been more of a fifty-fifty battle, not just like. Although I guess they did get locked in that compartment. Yeah, downstairs. and they brought in yeah. so so the copter that flew in with the band had a, a bunch more people who were like waiters and help staff on it. So there was actually, I think Seagal said there were what twenty people. And then Busey was on the inside, and and they implied that more people were as well. So it was actually supposed to be like you know twenty five people, and then they shepherded like Phil just said the crew into the bottom of the boat. There's she- just zero chance a band takes over all that naval shit. <laughs> that right, it's, not just the band. Sense. it's not just the well, band. I mean, Guns N' Roses was pretty was pretty powerful, but it's also the, the crew that came with them and Busey then. Was was on the in, inside, and then he kills the right. attending guy, which is fantastic. Listen, I will say, like, I understand, I understand what both you guys are saying here, and I. And one of my notes was to Declan's main takeaway: Wouldn't the mercenaries be severely outnumbered on this boat, even with a few rogue? Like, let's say they had twenty or twenty-five rogue people. I mean, wouldn't they still be outnumbered? So that I, I did Lee have the Jones, same question. Man. It just Ta- it seems Tommy very Lee, easy. Top flight, man. Top flight. <laughs> Very easy for them to overtake this ball. All right, Joe, what was your what was your favorite part about Under Siege? So in my notes, I've got this written down verbatim. Seagal got a Seagal. And Declan played this, but my favorite part is actually the scene that Dex played when his character Rybeck is shooting and talking to the command center <laughs> all at the same time and and his female help puts the headset on him. So he's like literally taking commands and talking back to them while shooting a machine gun. That's yeah. Seagal Seagal. Like, I guarantee you he he's like, I, I got to have a scene like that in this film. There's I love how he also, he does the thing. And I think Schwarzenegger did this in True Lies too. And I don't know if this is like, I've never really shot a gun before, let alone like an Uzi or a machine gun or anything, where the hero will be walking down either running down a hallway or in true lies, like running out on a dock area where there's enemies on both sides and they've got guns in each hand and they cross their arms the and greatest. shoot across their body to the yeah. other side. Classic Seagal did this for, it was half the movie was just Seagal with two guns <laughs> running up and down the boat, just blazing both sides with his arms and crossed. not being hit himself <laughs> by any gunfire. When I say automatic, yep. that means it goes. When I say semi-automatic, <laughs> that means one bullet at a time. Can you do that? It's, semi, it's unbelievable. Semi automatic. Yeah, this this was like peak Seagal. Like just to add to Judd's point, one of the notes I wrote down was just the gap between how cocky his characters always are in every moment. Like he could be talking with politicians or hardened criminals, or he could be talking to superiors in some sort of like police force or military rank, right? And he always talks as if he knows something. I know when you're going to die. Like, he talks to the other person as if he knows when and how they're going to die all the time. The gap between how cocky and arrogant his characters are 
and and where he's actually at as an actor is astonishingly a wide gap. Yes. Um, but he's just, man, that's how he is in every movie. And it's just clear, though, <laughs> that, that in each film he demands X amount of scenes in which he's allowed to go full Seagal. Yeah. Well, wouldn't you think, like, the, the very beginning of this movie where he's a, he's a chef, right? Like, we... No, he's a cook. We, just a, we, cook. We, just we, a lowly cook. A cook. He's a cook. We know him as a cook. And Busey comes in and spits Busey's in great. the soup or whatever he was making. And so Busey is this high-ranking commander, and he's talking to his cook. Now, now Busey, at the time, we found out later, didn't know that Seagal was a Navy, like a former Navy SEAL. Correct. So wouldn't he think in that moment, why is my cook showing this much, like, aggressive lip toward me? Like, why is my cook just, like, lashing back verbally? He's the cook. What what makes him so able to be this arrogant and cocky? Wouldn't you think like, oh, maybe he's just, and you either think like he's nuts and he's just like a, a high maintenance cook, or you think, okay, there's something about this guy's background that makes him cocky enough to talk to me this way, right? I don't know. But he couldn't the find the file. I, I would love, I would love to hear stories from behind the scenes of this film as well about the actual onset relationship of Seagal. And Busey, wouldn't you guys? Oh my god! Because I mean, <laughs> I mean this volatile. is the th- this might be the only film that Seagal actually was partnered with an actor who was crazier than him. <laughs> I mean, Busey's nuts. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, I guess my favorite thing. So Judge just gave his. My favorite thing is Tommy Lee Jones. I love. I'm just gonna say '90s Tommy Lee Jones is my favorite thing. Just like look at the the versatility of the different movies that this dude was in. He started doing movies in like the early seventies, but he really hit his stride. Under Siege, The Fugitive came out the next year. Uh, blown away, Batman Forever. He played Harvey oh, Dent slash Two Face. So good in that. He's a great actor. And then Men in Black in nineteen ninety seven, followed mm-hmm. by U.S. Marshals in nineteen ninety eight, and then Double Jeopardy. In 1999, uh, and a bunch of other things, but like that run of movies, he's excellent in all of them. He plays a lot of he plays wacky, crazy terrorist guy. <laughs> he plays a Batman comic book villain, and then he and then he plays some sort of variation of like the detective Tommy Lee Jones in a bunch of these movies too. So, my favorite thing was just 90s Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> Declan, uh, I I do love the cast. Look, Gary Busey's nuts. Uh, I love me some Gary Busey. He's insane, and I know. Well, it was the it was the car crash, right, where he had all the plastic surgery done, right, where he had the famous, infamous car crash, motorcycle accident, motorcycle right? accident, yeah. where yes. he basically had it built a new face on him, and you can tell that it's not a normal looking face. Um, but I love the cast in this movie, uh, and also just the fact that we have a cook. He's a cook, and oh, no. the movie poster is Seagal behind the USS Missouri. In like a full like his Navy SEAL guard, but throughout the film he's wearing a wife beater, carrying around a gun. Yeah, he's never dressed up. So like I and and he's this disgruntled Navy SEAL, so he had to like sell that part on there. And I think it's absolutely hilarious that in the movie poster he's supposed to be looking like this very decorated, which I guarantee Navy SEAL. he demanded one hundred percent. I guarantee right? you, he's like I have to be in uniform in the poster. But yet he's look he looks like any cook at Applebee's, and he's taking down an entire band that has infiltrated a ship. Uh, I would say that's my favorite part. It's my favorite part. The Tommy Lee Jones part where where he is playing with the band early on before we're, we're 
made aware of the fact he's a terrorist. And he basically asked, who's the highest ranking officer here? And they got, you know, stand up, clear away so we can see him. And then he shoots him. Is great Tommy Lee Jones. It is. It really is. Like you knew he was going to blow him away, but you're like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. All right. Your least favorite part about Under Siege, Judd. Um, Well, this is hard for me because, I mean, I now am a huge fan of this film. Uh, The end, though. The end. So the celebration is is like, again, I love every one of these films. There's carnage and your friends have been killed. You know, guys that you respected are dead. People have been uh, killed left and right. Like, this is a huge deal. And the end of these films, every one of them is, you know, hey, yeah, it's over now. Let's go to the bar and drink. Right. And then and then <laughs> at the end where, where Seagal's character, Casey, grabs Jordan Tate and just starts making out with her. Yep. Yeah. Like, like there had been yeah. no alluded, allusion to the fact that there was a relationship there that wasn't basically father and daughter. Like he saved her. I get that. But then he just grabs her and like sticks his tongue down her throat. Super weird. It's like, that is he, so and uncomfortable. And like literally uncomfortable. It, yeah. And he doesn't do it in a way that's like, Hey, I'm, I'm really into you, the woman. Like I want to kiss you. It was like, I'm going to show off to my buddies, yes. my army, my, my Navy buddies or whatever. Right. Well, and I, again, I would love to know the backstory on that kiss. Because I bet in real life it looked uncomfortable. I bet because it, it's so Seagal, right? Yeah, she'll she'll want me to make out with her, right? She's been Ugh. thinking about this. I bet she's like, weeks. get away from me, you <laughs> creep. Uh, my, I think my least favorite part too was just that whole dynamic between Seagal and the gal, and like God, she dude. just so they, they 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 brought a stripper onto this boat, so she's like the only woman basically on the boat. And then there's one scene where she bursts out of the cake and she's just like stripping topless in an empty yep. room and he walks in. Yep, makes no Why sense. Why was she doing that? Makes no sense. Why was she, she thought doing the that? party was going on and, and she was supposed to start dancing when she heard the boombox go. And so that's why she starts to dance. But I guess she missed the, the fact that there were that there was um, gunfire all around her basically yeah. at one point. And once you once you just yeah you you'd hear gunfire and then once you just hear that there's no one talking. But she claims no she passed out though from the pills that she got for being seasick or airsick as well. I don't know. They they tried to cover up a bunch of stuff, but who knows? So did you? So she passed out inside the cake. Yes, that's what she was saying. <laughs> okay. So so a guy gave her. So she, she was airsick and seasick. So the guy gave her all these pills, which she takes in the bathroom. And then the next time you see her, she's coming out, out of the cake. So I guess the assumption is she passed out in the cake. Actually, I want to I, 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 I wow. go back to favorite part of this movie because I have another thing, too, that, <laughs> you know, we some of these movies have, you know, ridiculous killing scenes and some of them don't have enough killing scenes. I just want to highlight three amazing Seagal killing scenes I love in this movie. Yes. Okay. Number one, he walks into that uh, that area where there are just like six or seven enemies or mercenaries, and he walks in with a knife, and he kills like six or seven guys with a knife and his bare hands, oh, all great. in succession. That, that is a pretty great he, scene. He slashed one guy's like groin. Uh, he stabbed a guy in the neck. Like he just he just walks in there with a knife. He's amazing with a knife in this movie. Yes. He's a chef. The, a cook. the second amazing Steven Seagal kill scene where he literally rips that guy's throat out. Yes. Oh, my end. God. Yeah, that's fantastic. He grabs the guy by the throat and then just like 
Written, now the special effects were terrible, but he just like rips a chunk out of the guy's throat, yep. and the guy ah, goes and dies. And then at the very end, he rips out Tommy Lee Jones' eye and then stabs him in the top of the head yep. and kills him. I mean, those are just incredible kill scenes. It's a little bit like the pool cue scene. And yeah. um, was it hard to kill? Hard to kill. Or, I can't remember which one, right? Yeah. A lot of just That's a lot for of my just wife. gory. F you and die. <laughs> So those were three just amazing Steven Seagal kill scenes from this movie. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Dex? Uh, all right, I think we're back to Declan's least favorite part here. Yeah. I mean. Tommy just, Lee Jones is a singer. I didn't like him. <laughs> I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get into this movie after they took it over. I, had a, I, had a, I, just, I didn't like the plot. I, I, did, I did not. I enjoyed the kills. I love the kills, like you said. But I, I had a hard time just being engaged in this film. I, was I it because it was it was it like the sometimes you know if if everything takes place on like a submarine or something right I don't know like U five seven one right it's just like it's just a lot of yeah it's like if it's in one setting it's really hard sometimes to be fully engaged yeah but my my least favorite, I, just, I I think so and yeah because I guess it's just they, they spend the entire thing on there and then you know the only other cuts right are are to the military base who is trying to communicate with them um it's just it, it was it was it was not my movie. I, I love Seagal, and we'll do our rankings, obviously. But I, I, had, a, I had a hard time really? being engaged in this film. I really did. And I was looking at the first 30 minutes. Honestly, I liked it. If it hadn't been Busey and, and Tommy Lee Jones, I might agree. But that cast was so good. helped. That cast, cast was so good around him. The cast definitely helped helped the situation for sure. It, it, kept, me, it kept me there. But at the same time, I had a real tough time keeping engaged in this film. Man, Busey had a fun run there, too. So oh, yeah. Busey, oh, God. Yeah. he did a bunch of movies in the 70s and 80s, but Lethal Weapon in 87, Predator 2 in 1990, Point Break in 1991. Where he's fantastic. Under Siege, The Firm in 1993, Rookie of the Year, where he plays Chet Stedman, the old veteran pitcher. Oh, yeah. In 1993. Um, he was also in Black Sheep in 96. Great. He actually really hasn't done anything in the last 20, 25 years, but I he is still why. alive. Yeah, he is yeah, still alive. He's 76 on. years old. Hanging on by Busey. thread, I'm sure. What's his, uh, when, when did he get into the accident? What's the story with the accident? Motorcycle accident, I think in, what, 90s? I'm pulling it up right now. Um, or 80s. Yeah, because he was acting in the 60s is when he got, when he really got, Rose up to prominence, and he's he's in Stars Born and eighty eight. Yeah. Okay. So in nineteen eighty, he was severely okay. injured in a motorcycle accident, which uh, he was not wearing a helmet. His skull was fractured, and he suffered permanent brain damage. Um, Kept acting. And so, yeah. So late, and that's why he looks even like before the yeah he was odd looking. He, he looked menacing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jeb. What was the least believable thing about Under Siege for you? Trying to decide. I have two things. Um, <laughs> I'll go with this one. My general least believable thing. So there's this this group of people that are fighting the bad guys. There's the bad guys. So there there's the the sailors who are basically taken hostage and they're locked in a room. So they're out. They're out of this thing. And I get that. But then there's the Seagal cast, which includes the people that he frees who are doing the Morse code, who are his buddies from I think the kitchen. And then there's this large group battalion of bad guys. Nobody can find each other. So, like, they're operating. I mean, they're on a ship. It's confined. And and yeah. unlike Die Hard, it's not a skyscraper. 
Like it's a ship. There's only X amount of room here. But yet they, but so like if, if you are Tommy Lee Jones and Busey, wouldn't you have, wouldn't you have gone and found them at some point in time? And they try to go to the kitchen to f- find them. And that's where Busey tells uh, Jones character, send more men. And he like sends three guys and they all get killed. But after that, it's like a game of cat and mouse. They're like chasing each other the whole time, which to me, it's like, oh, no, it, it's a ship. You can go find the people that you want dead and confront them as opposed to the entire film being like, OK, we're going here and they're going there. That was I think the, the, weird. The me. other lesson to be learned here, too, is. You know, when has in any of these movies, and here's another one to The Rock, right? Uh, that would be Die Hard on an island. Yep. <laughs> Die Hard right. at a former prison. You're exactly right. You know, when has the mercenary thing ever worked? All right, we're going to get a bunch of rogue, former, angry soldiers together, and we're going to demand either money or we're going to blow up Honolulu or whatever it is, right? Like, yes. when has that ever worked for a group of mercenaries? I, th- I just think some of these people need to be smarter going in. You know, think about your families, your future. But at least Jones, like, dies. The, the Rock really, really let me down because the guy wimped out at the end. Yeah. Yeah, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, uh, Ed Harris, right? Yeah. He wouldn't, yeah, he wouldn't blow up San Francisco. But, I mean, that, that was yeah. awful. It's like, so what was the point? If I was one of those mercenaries in this movie where I would start to get, like, so they, they all celebrate taking over the boat, right? Ha, 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 here we go. We got him, right? And then the minute something goes wrong, because you're going to get resistance. Now you've pissed off the entire United States yes. uh, military force. Yes. And there are still like several dozen or a couple hundred active soldiers and Navy members that are sitting down ready to like mount a comeback of some kind. So you can expect some adversity in your path to do whatever you're going to do. And the minute adversity shows up, right? Oh, man, someone's trying to fight back at us or oh, man, they're sending a fleet of Navy SEALs in a helicopter, right? Like Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey freak out and get unstable and mad. And I get it because they're psychopaths. But if I was one of the mercenaries, I'd look over at those leaders and be like, I don't know, I'd rather have someone with a little bit of a calmer, steadier hand uh, that doesn't freak out at the first sign of adversity. We should just make a list of like, listen, if you're going to be a mercenary and turn on your country – here are the 10 different things that you should be mindful of. That things are going to go wrong. <laughs> yeah, plan plan for it. It's Bobby Knight's book, The Power of Negative Thinking. Yep. Just expect bad things expect to happen. exactly right. That's my book. And deal with them as they come out. Um, all right. Uh, least believable thing, Judd gave his. Mine was the – I brought up the Navy SEAL thing. The fact that you had 15 Navy SEALs on a helicopter headed to save the day and they just got shot down out of the sky with right. no – is, is this the most incompetent Navy SEAL group ever? Correct. Like a group of mercenaries, and you know that this has happened. Like right. there's no ambiguity about what's happening. A right. group of mercenaries has taken over a <laughs> naval ship with nuclear weapons on it and other missiles and rockets, and you just barrel in with a big helicopter just like in plain sight. There's no other way for you to access that boat, and they just get blown out of the sky. So the, I would say the most just the most incompetent Navy SEAL team ever walks right into missiles was yeah. my least believable thing. I, I'm, I'm with you there, too, on the whole military thing. It just it didn't make that part just did not make any sense. And then, you know, like I, I do like some of the history buffs, you know, his, like a little bit of U.S. history buff. Like the USS Missouri is like one of the most decorated, if not maybe the most decorated U.S. ship in naval history. It's at Pearl Harbor. It was the site of the Japanese 
tr- um, truce in the end of World War II. Like Japanese people boarded the U.S. Missouri and they, they signed the truce on, in the USS Missouri. It's a very decorated ship. So the fact that this movie, and I think it's kind of a ballsy play, like made it that they was taken over by terrorists. Like, I, I don't know. It just, it, it, it's not believable to me. It's, it's, it's just 100% not believable that they were able to do this. And especially a band, even though it's disgruntled military people, a band takes over this amazing ship. I, it, it blows my mind. I'm, now I'm frozen. And now I'm frozen. Love it. And a great pose, um, too. Yeah, the, the band thing is, uh, I, I always find it interesting when, <clears throat> when whoever wrote the movie or however it was you know, molded, when they just have a lazy entry point for the thing that's going to happen the rest of the movie. It, yeah. And the band, uh, let's just get, we'll just get a band here. That, the band is the band is the front that Busey sells to his boss, right? To, to be be like, it's your birthday. We're, we're going to have a big what? celebration and bring in a band. Wouldn't, wouldn't they be vetted, or were they getting? Maybe they weren't vetted, which I would think is a major security violation. Even pre, they brought in a stripper. Yeah, they literally brought in a stripper. Well, <laughs> that, a stripper. That, that part doesn't surprise me. They brought in a stripper. I don't think that part's too surprising. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I got a bunch of production notes here for you guys if you want them mm-hmm. from the internet. So production notes. So Warner wanted Steven Seagal to star in the film when it was originally written, but he turned it down at first. Seagal later said he had problems with the role of a character, quote, who is at first a bimbo jumping out of a cake and then gets paired up with me. So he didn't want to be associated the rest of the movie with a bimbo stripper jumping out of the cake. Uh, but he said in revisions of the script, the role became a character who gradually reveals more intelligence. At the end, she's a Marine. It's the most rid- that's the most ridiculous thing. Did she go through the last, any sort the of last boot scene? Camp she's got training? the Marine outfit on. No, of course not. No, that's she what didn't go through basic so training or anything. No. She's just no. She's well, just she did on the ship. She helped <laughs> kill that one dude. She shot. Yeah. Um, one of the, I think this is one of the writers said, we're trying to make Seagal more mainstream, getting uh-huh. him out of the pure action genre and into an acting role. The writer later added, I'm trying to bring the budget within a reasonable range. The original script was almost irresponsible with things like battleships getting blown up. The way that it was, the original version of the movie would have cost a hundred plus million dollars <laughs> to make, and they cut it down into the 30 to 35 million dollar range. The original title of the movie was Dreadnought, uh, and that title did not test well with audiences. The marketing department wanted to give the film a three-word title like other Seagal films and came up with the title Last to Surrender, but the writers and Seagal both hated that title, and Seagal fought to have it changed. The film ended up with the title Under Siege. Wow, okay. Well, I'm glad Seagal had, had standards. Yeah, seriously. You gotta have standards here. You gotta have it a better name than that. That's a stupid name. Uh, I'll kill you. Any other additional thoughts from you guys before we get into the rankings here, the two ranking categories? I think I might have my new favorite Seagal line. And I mean wow. there's a lot oh, to wow. choose from. Okay. But when he is when he has been put in the meat locker and the young, I don't know, yeah, uh private or whatever Marine yeah. is guarding him and he yells and he keeps yelling, get my pies out of the oven. Get my pies out of the oven. Might be <laughs> my new favorite Seagal line. <laughs> doesn't his want them to burn. pies are going to burn. Oh, man, it's just, I just love his catalog. I love this man's catalog. It's just so much fun. Another hilarious action movie thing that happened. So when he was in that meat locker, 
there's nowhere to go, right? There's like a ventilation system. Yes. There's only so many places Tides. you can be yes. when you're in a meat locker. And this happens this happens in elevators. Like there's always a scene like this in an action movie where the villains will shoot up the door, then they'll kick the door open, they'll shoot everything else up. It's like, A, how did that how did the hero not die? But B, there's not that many places where this person could be, right? Like Right. Um I think was it Air Force One? I think it was Air Force One where he went through like the the air uh, the airplane bathroom or something and wound up downstairs or something. But it's always a always a good scene. Okay, definitive bad guy rankings here. Uh, so we're looking for three different criteria: iconic, ruthless, and charismatic. The qualities of of these uh, bad guys. So what are, uh, what are we doing here? Is it is it Gary Busey and Tommy Lee Jones? Is that what we're doing for this? I, I would lean more Tommy Lee than Busey. Um, but, are, are, is it a tag Busey team? An ins- yeah, it's yeah. sort of it's sort of because it, it's an inside job. Sure. And Busey is ultimately the worst guy because he, he's supposed to be helping command the ship. Yeah, I think it's both of them. And I mean, I I think they were great, but I don't know that they're iconic. I mean, they're probably not so iconic. And I, it's like they're they're so not iconic in terms of their characters. I had I had to go back and look at the names of their characters. It was Stranix. Yeah, yeah, that's Busey's character, Stranix. right? Uh, yeah, it was so no. Or is that Tommy Lee Jones' character? It was Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, that's right. Okay, so Stranix, and then it was Commander Krill. That's what it was. Dollar yeah. Dollar Bill Krill. Krill yeah, Krill. <laughs> Before he was a hockey star. Um, but I mean, like, where, so where do they fit? It's tough because, and I'll give you the sort of the list of what we have right now, but the actors are iconic. And I think yeah. that gives them a that little helps. bit of, like, they're less than that. I mean, because it's Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey, they're not going to be last. They are ruthless. Yep. And I would say that they're both very charismatic in the movie, but they're not iconic. So they're not going to be, like, the top of our list is The Terminator, Hans Gruber yeah, no. from Die Hard, Michael Myers from Halloween, Predator from Predator, Cyrus the Virus from Con Air. It's kind of in that. I think he's more iconic, though, just because of the name, Cyrus the Virus. Yep. Simon Phoenix from Demolition Man, Brad Wesley from Roadhouse, Cobra Kai from Cry Okay, I, I would personally. What about, okay, Mr. Joshua from Lethal Weapon is on here. Okay. I would personally put them above Wesley. Okay. Brad Wesley. Like Wesley's probably too high on here. I, I we, got yeah, him, we got him above I, Cobra Kai. Yeah. I, we got okay. him above, we have him above Ivan Drago. Yeah. I loved him, but he's not iconic. Yeah. We're we're gonna we're actually gonna executive decision here. Gonna drop we're gonna Brad move Wesley. Brad Wesley wow. down four spots. He's got to be below Cobra Kai. He's got to be below Ivan Drago. I'm sorry. He's above he's a, Ivan Drago. Yeah. Did I fight I for that? Yeah, I think he did. I like Brad Wesley a lot, but he's not above Drago. Yeah. Well, so we're gonna move him down. I would put them above Brad Wesley in the new rankings. Yeah, let's put him below below Ivan Drago. Yes. And above. Brad Wesley. Ivan Drago is iconic. So I think there has to be a hard line there when you get where we are clearly past the iconic bad guys and we're the guys that were just good at being bad guys. Yep. So just so you know, the the rest of the list, I'm not going to go through all 50 of these, but but just below Stranix and Commander Krill, we now have Brad Wesley. (laughs) We've got the big one from San Andreas, which is (laughs) nature. We've got the Russian mobsters from John Wick. We've got Dennis Hopper from Speed. Bodie from Point Break. Because Bodie wasn't ruthless at all, really. He was no. almost like a sympathetic character. Yes. 
So, all right. Yeah. So he's sort of uh, Stranix and Commander Krill sort of back end of the top 10, just yeah. mostly because of how uh, their act, the actors themselves are well known. And they were really they good at doing what they did, partially because Busey is crazy. Yep. I'm a nice. big fan. Okay, now, big fan. Now we get to the overall ranking for this movie, a 1 through 10 point system, and uh, we'll we'll take the average score between the three of us. So Terminator, Die Hard, and Halloween are the only three perfect scores we have given. Taken, John Wick, Commando, Predator, and Beverly Hills Cop, all a 9 or above. And then uh, we've got another handful or more of 8 and above. Terminator 2, Fast and the Furious, Expendables, Top Gun, Roadhouse, Hard to Kill. Mm-hmm. Rocky Four, Dirty Harry, Bad Boys, Independence Day, and Point Break are all an eight or above. And then there's like 25 or 30 more movies that are below that. So, all right, Jeb, we'll start with you, one through ten. I love this film. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but but I feel I have a good grip now on how to rank these films. So I'm not going to go over the top in my ranking, if that makes sense. I'm going to give it a 7.5. Oh wow! Because okay. I really enjoyed it, but it's not—it's not a ten. It doesn't belong um, near the top of this list. But I'm not going to um, downplay it too much. So seven point five for me. Dex, it's a four. It, it, Whoa, it's a four. Dude. I just—I I really had a heart. The, the actors keep kept me from not giving this a lower score because I do love the actors in this film. Um, it is Seagal. Uh, you got Busey. You have Tommy Lee Jones. I love those Florida guys. Coil. Back to okay. Busey. Busey fires and it goes away. Um, yeah, I, it, for me, it's a four. It is, it is a four out of ten. I'm sorry, Judd. Oh, that's fine. Um, uh, I didn't love it. I got I to be honest. It was fine. I think it's probably third in my Steven Seagal movie rankings. I, I thoroughly enjoy Hard to Kill more than this movie. Oh, Hard to well, Kill that, is my favorite that's Seagal the, movie. Yeah. That, yeah. That's his, his shining moment is Hard to Kill. So it's a six for me. It's definitely not a train wreck. Nope. I'm not, but I'm I'm looking at some of the other movies we have here. Like, I can't I can't put it even out for justice is a six point seven. Con Air is a six. The Rock is a six. Mm-hmm. So, yep. me giving it a six puts it at a five point eight composite score. Pretty much right. It's more toward the bottom end, but um, but in the bottom half of all the action movies we have done. So the middle section looks like this for us: Karate Kid. Speed, True Lies, all a seven or above. Out for Justice, Armageddon, Con Air, The Rock, Under Siege, round out the next chunk. So it's kind of right in that mix. Not awful. Definitely would, you know, if it's on TV. Give me more Seagal. I want more Seagal. (laughs) So, all right, boys. So um, four movies. We can come to a decision here amongst us. We got four movies in our queue right now. Rocky Three, Snakes on a Plane, Face Off, and over the top, the arm wrestling truck driver movie with Sylvester Stallone. So, um, any strong thoughts on which one we should do for next week? Mm-hmm. Rocky Three, I think. Rocky Three is full of fodder. Yeah, full of fodder. I and know that would be bit, fun. Yeah, and they give you sort of the, they give you a little backstory at the beginning so that you know you don't have to. Have I think I actually saw this the one in the theater at the time too. So, yeah. Yeah, so I the backstory. And Dex, have you seen the first two Rocky movies or no? I've seen four a bajillion times. Uh, I've seen Creed a few times. I've seen pieces of Rocky Three, but I don't think I've seen start to finish Rocky Three. Oh, yeah, I've seen okay. pieces of Rocky. It's three, time. Not so we gotta do it. Yeah, so we gotta do so it. real quick, the 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 lead up for Rocky One, Rocky Two, Rocky One, he he was just plucked at random to fight the world champion 
uh, as sort of a publicity stunt, and he almost beat him, Apollo Creed. And then in Rocky II, Apollo Creed was so mad about almost getting beat, and his ego was so fragile that he said, I want to fight him again and kick his ass, and Rocky won the title. So Rocky has gone from this down-and-out, sort of bumbling, uh, just like weekend fighter guy to being the world heavyweight champion going into Rocky three and Rocky three is about his ascent into fame for the first time. Oh, yeah. And what happened? It's the eighties so, on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Yep. All right. So that's action movie rewind presented in part by our friends at federated mutual insurance company as well. So federated is here for you business owners. If you're looking for some extra peace of mind, risk management tools, federated will bring uh, the the resources that you need. Find out more at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. That's a wrap on Mackie and Judd. Uh, be sure to watch Rocky Three between now and next Friday so you can participate with us here on Action Movie Rewind. And don't forget to download the new Score North app. It's brand new, major facelift, and uh, there's a feedback mechanism if you want to send us any sort of quick message or photo or video or whatever it is. Uh, go check out the new app. We'll see you guys later. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.